Jesus. I am Frank, and I'm joined by Jonathan. Hey, hey, y'all. Again, this might sound a little weird, but we're recording in person because my computer decided to die on me, so forgive me for that. R.I.P. Frank's computer. R.I.P. my computer. It is, it's doing all the updates, every update. Oh my God. You know, it's so funny. So I got Windows 11 on that thing right now, and I was like, when's the last time I actually bought Windows? Can you think of the last time I bought Windows? You have to buy Windows? Yeah. Doesn't it come with your computers? Exactly. I The last time I bought Windows was when it came with my old computer, Windows 7. Oh, wow. And I've just taken the free updates and stuff like that. And so luckily now it's kind of tied to your account because otherwise, like, man, I was checking it's like 120 bucks to buy Windows, but I was like, I don't, couldn't even tell you the last time I actually did that. That's crazy. It's like when you when you don't have the Microsoft Office package that, yeah. you know, you just, I took for granted for at least for a lot of years that it came free with most computers, you'd get at least to be able to read different documents and stuff. Now you go to buy it. It's like you're saying over a hundred bucks, 150 bucks for like the basic package to use Excel and Word. I'm like, Jesus Christ, you got to pay for that stuff now? Like, <laughs> I know when you're a student, at least you can use like school access for a lot of things. But well, that's the thing too, guys. If you get a school email, which means if you sign up for one credit at a local community college, you can get that. You can get a discount on Hulu. You can get a discount on a lot of things that clearly covers that one credit for the year. And you only need it once per year. Especially, I think, uh, when I take a class at the local college, it's like 30 bucks yeah. for a course. It's yeah. super cheap. So, And, you know, there's interesting classes you could take. You don't have to be a scholar trying to do something. I, I, I took podcasting classes, and they were fascinating. So I, I freaking love them. Uh, are you going to school again this semester? I couldn't find a class this semester that would work because I need to do remote or very uh, specific uh, hybrid schedule. So I couldn't find, it. I was looking too late too in the season. There, a lot of the classes were already full, but. That's so hard. I get on those wait lists. Yeah, right. For me too, I just dragged my ass too long. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh my God, it's here. So I was like, all right, one more semester I'm going to sit out on. And my wife's going to be uh, pretty much going full time in school. So it's like, I don't want us both to be overloaded. Yeah. So I'm okay with being the one that takes one or two or zero classes at a time. So that's all right. If you guys can't do remote classes at your school, they definitely do my mind. I'm now doing only remote classes just because you can and why not, you know? Yeah. It gets too easy. We got, we got comfortable with that with the, with the pandemic. All right. So today our big focus is going to be on Gamescom. We've got a bunch of announcements from that. Uh, we're going to be talking about the retirement of Mario's voice actor. And we're going to be talking about Ahsoka a little bit. But you and I are going to talk a little bit about Ahsoka, but then we're going to actually include some of the Challenge Accepted episode Every week we're going to be covering Ahsoka like we normally would for any other big show from Disney or for whomever. Jonathan says he's going to be jumping in on a lot of that because Thomas is going out of town for two weeks. Two months, sorry. So uh, John's going to be filling in for that and that's going to be a lot of fun because you don't, you didn't watch Clone Wars much, none of Rebels. I tr I, I've watched a few episodes of Clone Wars and I just couldn't get hooked and then I think I watched the first episode of Rebels and it was the same thing like, oh, I should stop and watch Clone Wars before I really dig into this. Um, but seeing Ahsoka I was like, Man, the the other series that have been out, like Obi-Wan, you know, recently, and yeah. uh, what was that other one? Not the Boba Fett. Yeah. yeah Mandalorian, and Mandalorian, of course. Yeah. But the other one that was more like a spy thriller, too. Oh, Andor. So Andor. good. I love yeah. Andor. The, all of these shows, they're each, you know, in different lanes for the most part, which I love, except for, you know, Boba Fett and, and Mandalorian are pretty much the same thing. But they're, they're just so good in their own right, and they're making them, like, astonishing. I think with each series they're producing they're realizing how much money that they're making and they feel more confident in investing more in them so i feel like the budget must be growing because this one is just outstanding the scale you see this is like a full-blown production movie that they're making with every episode so i i love it i'm glad disney's kind of you know putting their money you know w where we obviously appreciate it you know right. investing in what we like instead of they could just Honestly, they put the Star Wars title on something and they could turn it out and people will watch it. They know they could just, they'll just get some cheap money that way. But they're investing in the long haul, I think, and, you know, putting it where their fans really want to see it. Well, Disney actually is doubling down on that. So they said that they're going to stop carrying other IPs except for Doctor Who and Goosebumps. But other IPs are going to be taken off of Disney+. Plus. So, like, they were going to do the Spiderware Chronicles, which is actually made by Paramount. Uh, so they're going to do a whole new series about that. But they decided, you know what, we're going to stop the production of that, stop the sale of that. Um, and they're going to just focus on the things they actually own. They actually own Star Wars. So, and it can, I can't think of any other, I mean, Marvel stuff for sure, but Star Wars stays good. The Marvel stuff has been hit or miss. The last, the last few episodes of Secret Evasion were rough to watch. Kind of a little stale. The, the, the kind of rinse and repeat stuff that they're doing in Marvel. It, early years, it was amazing because it was groundbreaking and there were so many layers they could pull back that we hadn't seen yet. And then this recent season of Marvel has just seemed... Like, yeah, rinse and repeat. Like, they're just doing the same old thing, and they need to, they need to revamp it and just kind of, 
I don't, I don't want to say a fresh start. Don't kill off a bunch of characters or anything like that. But I think they need to change the tactics a little bit. Knowing how the comics work, when Secret War comes up, that'll be a fresh start because it takes all the multiverses and puts them in one universe. Yeah. And do, do you like you're doing with Star Wars? You can, I mean, if you put uh, Black Widow versus Ahsoka, you could see a massive difference in the budget and the quality, the depth of the show. So the scaling and stuff like that, they do. So if you were just to put more money into a Marvel production and not have them come out so fast, but spend more time on one and invest more in it, I think that would you know yield a much better product. Whether we'll turn out the same amount of subscriptions, I don't know. But you know it's quality over quantity. So I think one of the things that really hurts Marvel today, and is why Star Wars, in my opinion, I know there's people who think Ahsoka wasn't that good. You guys are crazy, but um, in my opinion. Uh, but one of the things I think really helps them is like Marvel back in the first 10 years had a clear vision, Thanos. Get the Avengers together, they're going to fight Thanos. Now we know what's coming because they told us what's coming. They're not showing us what's coming though. Yeah, and they're not giving you those little hints and teasers where you kind of have to guess the future. Right. That makes it more exciting, yeah. They're like on the final seasons of Lost where they're just like, uh, where do we go from here? And yeah, they laid out a roadmap so we have something to look forward to, but you know, it's not not teasing us and taunting us to follow it. We're not chasing it's it. It's not done we're just, right. Yeah. We're just waiting for it to come now. Back in the day, so like today, they, they release a post credit scene and we're like, oh, you know, okay, cool. That's, um, oh, I know that from the comic books that's Dr. Strange, future wife, blah, 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 blah. Okay, I have to explain that to other people or be explained on stuff. Back in the day, though, at the end of one of them, they just showed Thanos turn his face yeah. and you were like, that's the future. And that was another thing is post credit scenes weren't common or definitely weren't common to have any influence on the story. And yet, Marvel said it to where after each movie you watch in theaters, you're waiting that extra like 12 minutes or whatever, watching the credits, staring at names you don't really care about, hoping that you get a glimpse of what's going to come. And then you, and that's what everybody gossips about oh, afterwards. Story. Yeah. yeah. So that was, it was so exciting. But now it's been done with every, every movie that had come out for the most part. And the, it, where's that thrill and excitement? You know, they got to they gotta shift. They got to pivot a little bit, I think. What I think like the Dave Floaty slice of Star Wars is doing so well is we know what's coming. We know there's a big bad out there that they're looking for. Now, you haven't watched Rebels or anything like that, but do you know who's coming? Uh, I know in Rebels, in, not Rebels, in uh, Clone Wars, there's a lot of Maul. Well, no, no, no. Maul dies in... Oh, shit, oh. Sorry. <laughs> mind. Spoiler alert. He dies in Rebels, guys. Spoiler alert. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. And it's fantastic how he dies, but yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, I know... Uh, Thrawn. You've heard about Thrawn's name. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 He, they talk about him in the first episode, too. It's based off of three books that came out in the early 90s called The Heir of the Empire which is all about uh, who takes over the empire after the emperor's dead. And it's basically this, this general who's so highly regarded by everybody else that first off, he's non-human and he's still promoted all the way up, which the empire is racist as hell. So that's a big surprise. And that's why the rebels are all different races and the empire's not. And they all have British accents and dress like Nazis. So, so yeah, then you have Thrawn and he's the only person that Darth Vader like respected outside of the Emperor. So that kind of shows you how high this guy was. And now we're getting this finally in this verse. He was in Rebels and uh, it feels good to have like a clear destination. We just got to kill Thrawn. And we know that there's going to be the new, the First Order and all that stuff that's going to come with the new movies, but we don't have to pay attention to those. We're focused on this here. I think that helps so much more than like what we're getting with Marvel and it's just like, oh yeah, it's a multiverse thing. But I hope they, I, I don't, I've only seen the first episode, so I don't know a lot about Thrawn, but I hope they really build the character before you even see him, like build him up to be somebody you love to hate. You know, like, um, I mean, you kind of like Darth Vader. You, you get to love the character and then he turns and he's like, oh, he's so corrupt and such a bad guy, but he's such a powerful, badass bad guy. It was such a sad story. So you kind of support him, even though you hate him. It's like, well, hopefully they build something very different, but you know, in the same fashion for Thrawn. So you're eager or, or same thing with Thanos, really. I mean, you understand what Thanos is doing and he's trying to do to do good, even though he's, doing a really bad thing for a good reason. He wants people to not be hungry, but he's going to kill half of them to make it possible. Thrawn's big thing is that the Empire created safety for so many people and it kept his people safe who were on the outside of the galaxy. He knew that if, if the Empire was thriving and everybody was safe, then there was no reason to explore outside the galaxy and find his people to chiss. So, oh, so he's going to wreak havoc in the, inside the Empire so that they expand outward? No, he, his whole thing was like, look, we'll just keep the... He, he was... Depends on which canon you go with, but like, let's just go with this one. He was banished from the Chiss, but he still, he still loves them and wants to protect them. That's one of them. The other one is he wasn't banished. Um, but the idea is that like, I will help the Empire become the ruling class because then there's a police force that's keeping everybody in check and there's not pirates 
looking into the just uh, worlds that are out there, you know, because they have their own, not empire, but pretty powerful group out there too. And so that was basically one of the reasons he's working with the empire right now. Yeah, to keep the grass green on this side so they don't go looking for his home. Exactly. Yeah. And so uh, I do like how even in Mandalorian and stuff like that, we're hearing his name. We're not necessarily seeing him or seeing a lot of his effects, but we hear blah, 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 Thrawn. Yeah, even when they're all talking, all the bad guys are talking in the Mandalorian and they were like, well, have we even heard from Thrawn? He's like, he's working. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And it's because they're still trying to find him, but they know that once they get him, he's the only person who could unite the entire empire again. Mm, I like it. Yeah. That's pretty good. So right now, Jonathan, uh, we're going to add Challenge Accepted at the end of this, and then you're going to be joining Challenge Accepted, but I thought this is a good time. If you have any questions, because you haven't seen Rebels, I know there's a lot of people who haven't seen Rebels, and they're having a hard time jumping into Ahsoka. Yeah. So, so one thing, as I, uh, I mentioned before, but I don't understand... Uh, the value in Sabine, Ren, like, so watching the show, they put a lot of weight into her. And I understand, I haven't seen, you know, it's probably nostalgia for people who watched uh, the other shows, but I don't understand what's so important about her character. Sabine is a Mandalorian who basically left the Mandalorian lifestyle. Her parents, uh, they, ha- they are one of the ruling houses of Mandalore, right? And if I remember correctly, they sided with the Empire for safety. And it was one of those things where she just wasn't going to stand for that. And her parents kind of, I don't think, really embraced or understood the devastation that the Empire was creating on, on Mandalore. And so she was just kind of okay with being blinded to it all. Um, so she left her parents when they decided to join the Empire, more or less? Or right. And so she them. was just a rebel out there, happy to steal. And so she was with a band of thieves, which is really what the rebels group was. They eventually realized that there's more rebel groups and they became the Rebel Alliance, which is what we see in Star Wars movies. Um, and yeah, so eventually she's the one that finds the Darksaber, which was in Darth Maul's hands. She goes to his home while he's off on an adventure of his own, gets the Darksaber, and she's the one that ends up giving it to, oh gosh, what's her name? <laughs> from from uh, Ma- the Mandalorian. Yeah, I don't remember her name either. In the, in the blue suit, yeah. Everybody yelling at their iPods. <laughs> so yeah, so that's the reason that she got it, but she got it kind of like just being handed to her and not being one. So that's why everybody thinks she's cursed and the reason that Mandalore fell. Is because Sabine just handed it to her. Mm. And we don't have a lot of evidence that she was Force-sensitive. And there's some things that may be like, oh, yeah, I could see that being because she was Force-sensitive. So they're kind of making that work in Ahsoka. I did see some people mention that that's kind of how George Lucas wanted it to be. Like, if you just trained enough, anybody could really access the Force. Yeah, I like that idea that it's, it's, it's genetically in everybody to some degree. Right. And those who have, you know, a lot of lot of connection with the Force or whatever can throw boulders and stop ships, but the ones who don't can still feel, you know, when something's uneasy or when somebody's approaching with, you know, malicious intent or something like that, if they just focus and meditate and things like that. I like that too, because even within the Star Wars universe that we have now, you see that. You see Ahsoka's really good at lightsabers. She's not like a crazy force wielder in the way that like Darth Vader is, where you can pull a ship down, or of course, even more so than that is the Emperor. But I do like that there are levels to it, and then you, everybody's got a, a little bit of it. Kind of makes sense with like Deja Vu is also part of the Force, something like that, you know? And when you train, like if you train in the lightsaber, then you'll be really good at throwing your lightsaber with the Force. But if you don't train with it so much, maybe all you can do is a Force push or you know, a super jump or something like that. But it depends on what you practice with is how well you get in the Force in that field. I like that idea. Darth Maul is another good example of somebody who's like, I'm going to use my Force abilities to give me more ag- agility. Which is so cool. He's a great character. You really do have to watch Rebels to see how he dies. <laughs> so he's more in Rebels or Clone Wars? Uh, oh, boy, both. He's in both? He's in both. He comes back to life, really, uh, in Clone Wars. Okay. But in Rebels, you see him like with a mission. And mm-hmm. Ezra Bridger, which is a character, I'm sure you heard his name a few times already, in Ahsoka, uh, sides with him for a while and is like, no, I think Darth Maul's a usable ally. And everybody's like, no, no, no. <laughs> so, but it's... Uh, the guy who does the voice for uh, Darth Maul, he actually explained the final fight scene with him and the person who kills him and how much is in that one fight scene. It makes you appreciate everything. And he, he fights Obi-Wan in it. And Obi-Wan, how much he like tries, I'll just kind of say this part. He, he does Qui-Gon's stance to try to trick Darth Maul into going off guard. Like, oh, I'll just do the same thing I did before to kill Qui-Gon. Yeah. And he's like, no, bitch, I'm, I got the higher <laughs> ground. I beat you now. Nice. So it's great. Yeah. He yeah. wins with a high ground. Yep. Over on our TikTok channel, once the computer's up, we're going to we're releasing a explainer video for Ahsoka, Sabine, and Ezra Bridger. So those will be coming up throughout the week leading up to the next episode, guys. So if you guys want a little bit of explainers on each of those, check that out. Let's head over to our Gamescom stuff. 
one of the let's go with a TV show right away. Or I'm sorry, movie. Zack Snyder revealed a full trailer for his movie Rebel Moon. We've learned that it's part one of two. What was your first impressions of Rebel Moon? It looks amazing. I wish I'd heard about this before. Like if there's a comic or or you know a book that we could have read prior to it. I'm sure. It's, is it based on a comic or? Here's what the source material is and what it was. Like I'll wait to we're on the podcast for this. This was a script he sent to George Lucas because he wanted to make a new Star Wars movie. Oh, And really? George was like, no, nah, it's okay. We'll go with another way. And they ended up going with the J.J. Abrams route. So this is a Star Wars movie, but then he's just like, I'll just scratch the name Star Wars out <laughs> and say Rebel Moon. Man, okay. So watching this trailer, if you guys haven't read the comic series saga, so much of a parallel saga too. It looks, I mean, I really hope once they are done making this and it does super well that, you know, the producers or director are like, hey, you know, we can do the same thing with Saga because it would look amazing. It would be beautiful. Um, but yeah, it looks astonishing. The story, it looks like a lot of fun. I like the idea where you see like kind of, I don't know if it shows like necessarily magic, but that kind of world mixed with the, the it's, it's like space, uh, yeah. but, you know, tech and space fantasy. It's like yeah, sci-fi exactly. fantasy. Yeah, it's it, good combination. So the, just the, the premise is a little bit of the Seven Samurais, which again is something that Star Wars is, is uh, influenced by. Um, the idea is that there's this village where some veterans for them from the big military are there, some outlaws are there. They're all just kind of hiding out in this village and all being farmers. Well, then here comes the military to say, like, we need the resource underneath you guys or whatever reason. And so then all of a sudden you have all these guys who are like, well, I used to be the best sharpshooter in the military that you guys are actually in. And all these guys rise up to protect their village. And you realize that they're all badasses. And one of them will, of course, be like the one. And they'll have to stop him. It's but, like a diehard, but with like a team of diehards. Yeah. Bruce Willis's. Seven Samurai, Magnificent Seven is also Seven Samurais, but America. So um, it'll be that story again. The budget, though, is crazy for this. So not only do we have this now, part one, part two, Netflix has already confirmed there's a video game coming out for this. So this looks a lot... Oh, that's good. <laughs> I, I didn't think before I started talking... This looks a lot like uh, the newer Dune movie. It does like, feel like Dune as well. Uh, yeah, it's beautiful like that. And I'm hoping that this will compete. And it might not. I understand big budgets, big, uh, you know, it, it costs a lot to do this. But it looks like it could possibly compete with Avatar, the new, the newer Avatar movies. Yeah, out. I'm cool with that. Yeah. Yeah. I hope at least be in the ballpark, you know, be, be in the news about, you know, it's getting close to it or something like that would be cool. We need more big budget movies. We also need more comedies. We need more variety. I mean, as much as I'm a big Marvel fan, we could use And I love to see those. competition in the industry, you know. So these companies have been combining into giant conglomerates and- we we see the effects of you know streaming is is making it harder for a lot of people and a lot of volume of turned out movies and shows, but it's nice to see you know investment in quality. And and let's reiterate, you guys got to pay your actors and your writers, so let's settle up that SAG after deal. And we have to do our part by not just watching it all streaming. Go into your theaters, you know, support yes. your local theaters. You know, same with like we talk about comics and indie creators. So like, go to your local comic book shop. Don't just order everything on Amazon, you know, and subscribe to to Comicsology and stuff like that. But go help out where these people need to get, you know, get their source of income from. One of the the important things that, that we talked about before is right now, if you can go to your theaters, because eventually they're going to run out of movies to show and they'll have to rely on the coffers they're building today. So if you felt like, oh, maybe I'll watch Oppenheimer twice, go for it. And matter of fact, unfortunately, we're releasing this episode too late, but Sunday is National Cinema Day. So all movie tickets, no matter what movie, what time or whatever is four bucks in every theater across America. So you know, hopefully they do more of those. I think it's going to be a real big boom. Blue Beetle, go watch Blue Beetle. I know a lot of people aren't, but you should still watch it. But yeah, uh, so not only are they, they announced, yeah, video games coming for this. They said we're probably going to have a TV series and more movies after that too. Ellie, they're going to build a whole world around this. Netflix, they saw this and they're like, yeah, Zack Snyder's work is good. Yeah, now we talked about that. Now, what do you think about Zack Snyder's name being very prominent in this marketing? I don't, I don't like that. That's what they put like as the the big selling point on movies these days is who directed it. I like that you know a director gets recognition for good work. That's fantastic. They should, but the director's first off not the only person. There's a lot of people that go get involved, and you know it's a big process. And a lot of it is is based on the producers, how much money you know, the budget for the movie, and the source material. So. When you rely on just putting the name of the director and that's going to sell tickets, that's not very accurate at all. And it's not fair to put that kind of pressure on the director as well. We saw a Snyder cut from, you know, the uh, Justice League was like, eh, didn't get the attention. It kind of, I, I think it kind of hurt his reputation in the long run. And it's like, well, he did the best he could with what he had. But, you know, if you don't have great, you know, source material or the funding, which he had a good funding, I'm sure. He had good funding. He had a vision. It was just that 
it it had a, it was competing against Marvel and during the Thanos era. I mean, like like it was really tough times, and I think it was just a little too dark and stuff. So it was tough. And if his name was just on the bottom of the movie as the director was this guy, then it would have been no big deal. But then they try to broadcast him as the celebrity director who's going to be making this movie, and it puts so much pressure on his credibility that it's going to be amazing. And when it's just a, a B or a C, then you know it, it's damning for the director to be held to such a standard. So I think that's not really fair. Right. One of the things though, I, I do feel so like there's so many people who are big Zack Snyder fans. Do you feel like the director still informs the feel of the movie? Cause if you look at like outside of the DC stuff, we also have Watchmen. He's done a lot of other things as well. They still all feel kind of Zack Snydery. Yeah. They, they, Cause they, they do a lot of the like polishing decisions and stuff too. So they can make in like, you know, uh, they influence the scoring, the you know, sound and, and how it goes together that way. So a lot of that does change the feel of the movie. So I think like if you watch a lot of movies from the same director, director you'll see a lot of Christopher Nolan. The prestige feels like Inception feels like Interstellar in a lot of ways. You yeah. Know? yeah. Yeah. So, or Oppenheimer too. Yeah. That's another yeah. one of his. You could see their, their um, you know, signature in their movies for sure. I just, you're right though. It's odd that nowadays, I think more so than even the actors, it's more about like, this is directed by, you know, this is the next Anderson or Wes Anderson movie, you know? So it's like, okay, I'll go watch the next Wes Anderson movie. But it's also like, do you, can you name all the actors in there? You know, cause there's a lot of them and people often can't. And when you say, well, it's the next Star Wars thing. It's like, oh, well, yeah, Star Wars has a reputation. So, you know, if they switch directors from movie to movie, they're using the same producers in the same studio. So who's to say that, changing directors between movies is going to make or break the movie. Well, in the, you brought up a, a good example of when it broke a movie. Yeah. <laughs> was it Rogue One? No, uh, when they went, it was uh, Star Wars Episode Eight. Felt off. They killed off Phasma. It was all off. It was Everything was weird. And then, then it felt like Episode Nine was all about trying to fix Eight. And then it was like, oh, I don't care about any of this anymore. <laughs> you know? That's why I think, again, we talked about the, you know, the set goal, but also maybe the set mind behind everything with Dave Filoni running all of Mandalorian to Ahsoka and of Rebels and Clone Wars. So it all feels like it's one big connected universe in a, in a positive way. But more than I, I was, I think that's great to have that one person in charge, but they need to build a good team under them and try to keep that team together the whole time too. You know, because one person can't do all the checks and balances and the decision making that it takes. And I'm sure he does. We probably don't see the team together, you know, obviously. But, um, but yeah, you can't manage all this and keep, you know, keep your story cohesive and coherent and stuff like that just one person planning it all themselves. So I know Spielberg has the same editor for the most, most part. Uh, Coen brothers use the same editors. Uh, they use the same editor. Well, I think, or do they edit it? Something like that. There's something like that. Of course, Spielberg always uses John Williams, you know, those big musical scores that are like, Oh yeah, this is definitely a Spielberg movie. You know, I can still hear Jurassic Park in my mind every time. Yeah. Uh, next we hear that we've got some more updates on a fallout series. So you remember old fallout games, uh, it's coming out 2024. It's going to be on Prime, and it's going to be set in L.A. They've been talking about that for a long time it now, It was announced right? in 2020, yeah. Oh, my God. But it's actually coming out 2024 now. Mm-hmm. What do you think about Los Angeles being used as this, like, post-apocalypse? Got to remember, Fallout, it's like it's 1950s mm-hmm. future. So, like, they still use that kind of spaceship look and stuff like that, you know? What do you think about that being in L.A.? So, like, a retro future? Yes. Squeeze is totally a fan of this kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. I think L.A. is a good place you know LA and New York are the biggest as far as I understand the biggest cities in the US and so obviously when there's some kind of big disaster those are going to be the hardest hit because they're so densely populated uh, and it makes for an interesting story uh, I do like the idea of that kind of retro futuristic vibe we see uh, one of our favorite games one of my favorite games Bioshock you see a lot of it in that and so I hope it kind of sticks to those kind of vibes and you know like like Fallout um, but yeah I think it'll be cool I can't imagine it not being in a big city what I like about LA is it has distinct, you know, bur- boroughs kind of, or cities really inside of LA. Um, so if you think about the 50s vibe, 50s Hollywood, you're going to have the starlets. If you think about, uh, you're probably going to have like this like race area where it's all racing with these, because it's all going to be kind of this new form stuff, but they're going to be very clearly defined, just like with New York or something like that. Or Man. most famously, the Las Vegas one, like you had the Kings, which was all Elvis impersonator stuff. And, you know, so I like how we're going to have very clearly defined areas with, of Los Angeles. And the 50s version of it is going to be very interesting because that's, you know, how is that different than today's LA? You know, stuff like that. So I want to point out that this, I believe, got greenlit back when The Walking Dead was still relevant. Do you think now, four years later, it's going to have the same, get the same reaction from the audience? 
that, you know, now Walking Dead's not interesting anymore. We don't really have any zombie thrillers or scary. Last of Us, I think, was the most recent thing. We haven't had, I'm sure there's another season coming around soon, maybe. Um, but do you think it'll still have the same, uh, get the same attention that it would have back when it got started in 2020? Well, yeah, that's a shame, too, because, like, Walking Dead has, I think, five spinoffs going right now. Yeah, that's and crazy. It's so crazy. It's hard to keep up on. Are you watching them? No, I, I'm still finishing Walking Dead. I haven't watched one. the last like four seasons of Walking Dead. I'm in the last one right now. I'm like five in and it's- I watched the first it season. It feels like homework. When they brought in Michonne, that was really good. And then they brought in, uh, what's his name? Negan. I saw the first episode where the entire episode was him pacing back and forth with a baseball bat. That was the last episode I watched. It was- it, Wow, that, Jonathan. That <laughs> That's a me. very big episode to be your last one. Oh, it was, it, it was a waste of an episode. I watched the whole episode with him walking back and forth with the baseball bat. And yeah. I, the tension rising in that episode that's the episode was one of their pillars i was looking at the clock like why is this taking so long just kill kill everybody at the, there if you want to and, and walk kill Glenn. away yeah. Kill, yeah kill them all i don't care at this point it's taking too long to make a decision but i don't know well you're not going to be happy with the fact that he at this point now is one of the good guys and is siding with and him and maggie have a spinoff together that she he killed her husband and for some reason that's been all supposed to be successful I, that drives me bananas yeah there's no Effing way that you kill my spouse. Oh, I would be furious. I would be so mad. She's going to have Negan babies. That would be... No, because they they are very contentious with each other, but in the final season, I haven't finished it, so please tell me there's no make-out scene between those two because that just... I I can't think of... There are very few things. Like, if you killed her kid, would be the only thing that would probably outdo you killing her husband. You know? How is she ever going to forgive you? She does. There's just no chance to help. Yeah. At that point, she either kills him or kills herself or does both, but... Yeah, to work with him like they're homies all of a sudden just doesn't make sense. It's so crazy. Uh, we also got our first actual trailer for Black Myth Wukong. This is the first AAA game out of China, and it's following one of their mythological characters, Wukong, who's the Monkey King. And uh, this looks like it's going to be a take on Dark Souls games. I am bad at these games, I'm going to be honest with you. How are you at games that like rely on dodge and, and, and all those blocks and stuff like that? Terrible. So that, I mean, in games like, like uh, World of Warcraft, where you start playing in raids and you actually have to follow certain roles and do specific moves and certain patterns, I'm terrible at that. I'm good at games like Minecraft where you can just get lost for hours and, you know, you die, you respawn, you know, something like that. But yeah, where you actually have to follow a certain pattern of moves and stuff like that to survive and other people are relying on you to do them effectively. Yeah, no, I'm terrible at that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I think I'm, I know I'm good at WoW, but... For for the most part on all those games, like the From Software games, Elden Rings, I'm so bad at them. So it brought up a good question on my part because there's a kid that just released Starfield. So he stole copies of Starfield. That's bad. His name was Darren and he's out of Tennessee. I'm not going to use his last name, but um, he got busted for it. And the reason he got busted for it is that he streamed the first 40 minutes of the game. It's not coming out until September 6th. And so they were like, hey, let's go bust this kid. Uh, apparently he did sell some copies on Macari. That's not good either. And I wish I knew about him. I would have bought one. But, but then when he was arrested, he's like, look, it's an outstanding game. It's so good. And I just wanted to share it. I said, I'm sorry, Todd Howard is the guy who owns Bethesda. And, uh, and he's like, I just wanted to share the game with other people. Do you feel like, cause like for Wukong, I'm not going to be good enough to play this game, but I'll watch the streams for it. Do you think companies will ever crack down on that and make it to where you can't stream video games? I think they should lean into it. I think they should. Uh, some do. Yeah, like, you know, if, if you find a streamer who's streaming it and getting a lot of attention for your game, bring them into your network, pay them a small amount per, per hour streaming or something like that, and, and endorse it because they're putting your brand out there. Give them free copies to give away on a raffle while they're streaming or something like that, you know? why It wouldn't hurt their brand. People are watching them. They're not logging into the website of the, the developer. They're watching the streamer, and it's getting attention to, you know, those people are more likely to go play it or, you know, want to play it. So for those that are watching the stream to negate buying the game, you think there's more people or more, maybe it's the hype that is building that people will go actually. And I see what you're saying. They're like, you wouldn't buy the game. So you'll watch somebody. So, cause you're not going to play it, but you want to see the game. I still want to get the experience of the story and stuff. It could be maybe like, uh, the merch store, you know, that they could be, um, recommending or referring or whatever or raffling giving away you know the mugs and the shirts and stuff like that that have the characters of the game on it and so yeah one of the big things that they're doing now when companies want to help out with this is they'll do what's called twitch drops and 
So, Bo, if you watch two hours of whatever streams, kind of streams, whatever, for our new game, say, well, say Minecraft, for example, yeah. we'll give you a new Diamond Axe skin mm. that you could use. So all you have to do is watch it on your Twitch stream, and then you'll get that skin in your own game. Yeah. That's a real big common thing now with the Warcraft starting to do it and stuff. Everybody's starting to do it. Yeah. I do like that because that's kind of, now I'm like, oh, I got to play the game. I just unlocked a new horse. Yeah. And especially if the game has a social aspect to it. You know, a lot of games will have a campaign you can play and multiplayer and stuff like that in like a social interaction you can have with your friends where you're competing to get certain tokens or skins or whatever. So if it has that aspect, you might just get it just to show off to your friends that you got a lot of stuff unlocked or whatever. Yeah. I just find it interesting where we live in such a weird thing where it's almost kind of like a gray area. Like, yeah, I mean, I, this kid definitely, like he stole copies of Starfield. But then like when I see this game, I'm like, man, that looks so cool. I can't wait to watch somebody play it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? There's no chance in hell I'm going to be good enough to play that. The video game makers have gotten so good that the story of some of these video games is oh, better right? than movies. I yeah. mean, we see, what is the one that I just mentioned? Um, the Last of Us. The Last was of a, Us, yeah. yeah. The story is so good that like, you know, we got to put this on the big screen. We got we to gotta get this out to people because it's going gonna, it's gonna to drop draws. It's going to make some money. Yeah. So I, I think it's just that. You just like you're saying, watching somebody play a game and go through the campaign and the mechanics of the game, the quality of the gameplay looks really good. So it's worth just watching it sometimes, even if you don't have the time or attention or skill to play it. You want to see how the story goes. So that's cool. That is so funny. So, you know, I watched The Last of Us twice, basically. I watched it here and then I went over to the parents' house to watch it with them so I could explain things. And the whole time they're like, this was a video game? <laughs> <laughs> like they don't understand. Well, because... Like, they're probably correlating like the visual, you know, they, this isn't like watching somebody play The Last of Us. The story is like one for one, but the visual is obviously recorded on a studio set with actors, you know. Right, well, I had to explain like, okay, so you see how Pedro Pascal's like shooting everybody while they're trying to run towards the thing. Classic video game scene. You'd play both sides of that, that situation. You see this part where you're in the car and you see like the plane exploding. That's a cutscene. Cutscenes are amazing. They literally pulled cutscenes straight from the games and, and just shot them again. Yeah, reshoot them. But it was, it's just funny to, to hear people who are not video game, you know, understand video games and be like, how was this story of video game? It's like, I know. Let me tell you, you think you like Walking Dead. <laughs> There's a far better one out there that you have to play a video game for. Ah, oh, Clementine. Yeah, yeah. Actually, that's a, scrap all these spinoffs. Just beat the Clementine story already. It's a good one. <sighs> God. Yeah. Someday they'll probably get to it. I hope so. Yeah, I hope so. Uh, then they also announced Sonic Superstars, which is a four-player co-op uh, Sonic game that is basically a modern-day graphics version of the old Sonic games. Side-scrolling. That looks that super clean, too. That, I mean, it's funny how, how much it looks like the old game, but then I'm sure if you, you put them side-by-side, side, you realize, oh, uh, no, the graphics are immensely better. <laughs> but it feels exactly like the old game. Yeah, I feel like I'm not going to miss a beat. I could just jump in and start playing it, you know? Yeah. Uh, we have a trailer for the new Cyberpunk Phantom Liberty. This is an expansion for Cyberpunk uh, 2077. Now, I played Cyberpunk for, I think, four hours. Didn't care for it. Yeah. Did they get all the bugs worked out of it? I know there's a they, big they issue. They really did, but, okay. the, but it had a bad reputation, right? Yeah. And uh, Like, I'm asking about it. I don't even know if it got exactly. fixed. I just didn't look back. Yeah. Kyle and Scott, though, both played it and said it's one of their favorite games. Oh, really? So it's just like you have to get through it. Oh, okay. That's good. Yeah. And I was playing it, and there was one part where you had to, like, listen in on something, and it was, like, such a gameplay breaker. And I was like, I, I want to shoot things. I don't want to do this. It feels so stupid to me. I hate mini games that stop the game completely. Yeah. And they're like, you literally have to do that once. You could do it more if you want to, but you literally have to do it once. Yeah. I'm like, nah, I'm done with this. <laughs> and that, that's messed up a bit. They're trying to do their best to make the game change and feel different and diversify a little bit and stuff like that and but in some games you just don't want that you just want like okay i got a bigger gun now i want to fight the bigger guy and then i get the power up and now i'm bigger and i get a bigger gun and move your way up in the game but. exactly and you see all these trailers of them doing cool stuff and you're like i'm sitting here doing this like listening in story oh my god well so the this new phantom liberty what's cool is not only is it an expansion that, that adds so much to the game all the talent tree stuff all the combat changes stuff like that is going to go to the old game too so if you're like me, I'm going to try again. If you're like me and you play Cyberpunk, you're like, this isn't for me. Something's not right with this or there's too many bugs. When this game releases, which is going to be later this year, it will feel new again. So go back and play again and you can play just the base Cyberpunk game you already own before even playing Phantom Liberty. Or if you don't own it, it's like 30 bucks now. Um, and then you can pick up the expansion later on if you still feel like it. But I like that they're doing that. They're like, look, we botched it. Here's, we're going to reinvent this game almost. And, and you still own it. That's, that feels good. Uh, next up, we have Tekken revealed that they're coming out in uh, early 2024, January 26, 2024, for all the consoles and PC. This game was supposed to come out this year by all the rumors, 
I think they delayed it because we have street, a new Street Fighter and a new uh, Mortal Kombat. So it's like a really hard time to release another fighting games. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think that's smart, though. I mean, what's it hurt to push it back a little bit anyways? Especially if it was all out by rumors and they didn't say, hey, it's going to be out by September 23. Yeah. Exactly. And, and to me, Tekken's always been like the best of the best fighting games in the fact that like you had to be better than everybody. Like, I suck at so I play Smash Brothers. But if you were good at it, boy, I sound like a really bad video game player, actually. <laughs> you do sound like that. Yeah. I promise, guys, I play a lot. I'm just not great at it. You just play with a lot of bad players against you, so you can feel really good. <laughs> oh, man. Don't talk to girl. Uh, but yeah, so this one's always been kind of like, man, when you watch somebody good at this game, it is next level. And I think it's good to kind of like let everybody warm up with those games. The good ones will come over to us and, and then we'll see you guys at the esports. There you go. They also finally showed some more footage and uh, gave us a release window for early 2024 for Lord of the Rings Return of Moria. This is going to be a game where you're playing as dwarves returning to Moria after they got the Belrog out and trying to rebuild the place. Nice. Uh, what do you think about them expanding? Like, basically, this is kind of like, feels like post Lord of the Rings expansion to the story. What do you think about that? I think that's awesome. I mean, I like the Lord of the Rings story, so the more that they can build on that world is cool. Um, so it, it's, it is the mines of Moria, right? Like, is there more of Moria than just the mines? The mines, but the mines are gigantic. The entire oh, okay. city's in there. Okay, I was sure if there was like an above ground city and then the mines were just a part of it. Um... But no, that that that'd be amazing. Now I remember you had mentioned before, I believe, that this has doesn't have the full um mechanics that the old game had. What was it called? The Nemesis system, but it has a piece of it. So this is well, it's a whole different kind of game. This is closer to like almost a uh sim game. Yeah, where you're running multiple of them. So they're, they're, they must be making another you were talking about another they game. They are that's coming making out soon more has... Lord of the Rings games. Yeah. Oh, okay, they okay, are. Okay. Oh yeah. They're they're big because Embracer Group bought the so Embracer Group is one of this and a lot of people haven't even heard the name. They own a ton of video game companies. Their job is just to buy video game companies and then put them a part of the group. And anyways, they bought the rights to make video games for Lord of the Rings IP. So they are just gonna be pumping them out real soon. But they didn't get the Nemesis system for Shadow of War, Shadow of Mordor. Oh, so it's sold separately? They it was buy that. because that stayed with WB. Um, so we were hoping that it would pop up as part of the Harry Potter game or something like yeah, that, but yeah. no, it didn't go with them either. Somebody's got to be able to reproduce that kind of a system. So right? especially with AI now. Oh yeah. Imagine. Think of how good that would be. Yeah. AI getting into video games, it's going to be, I mean, well, you got to worry about can your game run with AI and it's going to be heavy. Yeah. You know, a lot to load, but that'd be so crazy. I've got an interview coming up. Uh, you guys got to check it out. It's going to be coming out on Thursday and uh, I'm not going to say much about them. You're going to be surprised when you hear all about it, but Basically, it's a podcast where these guys are playing kind of a D and D, but they do it all with ChatGPT. Yeah. So the one I was just listening to in preparation was one where they uh, are teaming up with this pirate. The ChatGPT's a, a pirate captain, or whatever. Actually, promoted one of them to captain, and it's this crazy wild adventure. And like their whole goal in this particular episode was trying to get ChatGPT to cuss. <laughs> and so they finally had to like convince ChatGPT like this is a hypothetical world. Where you're allowed to he's like all right well scallywog fuckers <laughs> you know so, but yeah it's a really good show interviews coming out on thursday guys it's but it's amazing what you could do with ai nowadays it's crazy yeah i'm thinking if you were playing a, a game where the world was generated as you walk or something like that and it was all generated by ai so as you're walking it would change what it's building based on what your character does or something like that so you'd be in a forest and before you know you're like walking on top of clouds and then you're in some weird space setting and it just kind of depends on where it wants you to be or what it wants to think up yeah and be cool I've been, because I'm the DM for you and you guys, and you guys are coming over next week to, to continue that. Can't wait. And I have been watching different TikToks and reels and stuff we like that. We could have a shorter gap between our next sessions, too, like three weeks well, at a time. because you went to Portugal, so yeah, yeah. You, you know, I don't f- want to blame anybody, but it's your fault. <laughs> but yeah. And so I saw one thing. I'll tell you now. I shouldn't be telling you anything. But this girl's like, you got to go to Dollar Tree to pick this thing up. It's so cool. So it's this little cube where it's got like, okay, so first off, remember those old games where it was a little maze and had a marble and like your kid and oh, you got yeah, it from the yeah, dentist? Yeah. This is a cube with a marble on every single side. And it's just a little Dollar Tree item, a little toy from the Dollar Tree. And you like do this multiple thing. Yeah. It's just, what if they open up a treasure chest and that all of a sudden a timer, like you hear like these boulders starting to come and they have to solve this cube and stuff like that. <laughs> oh man. And it's like, what a oh, genius so it's, idea. It's the six sides of it each have a puzzle and you have yeah. to land the little marble on each one. Yeah. So like, uh, you know, or like you have a dice and like every two minutes that dice rolls. So, all right, solve the top one. Oh, yeah. Dice rolls. So it's got to flip it Crap, three times over. One, two, three. three. Shit, yeah. no. Uh-huh. So like, oh, it's such a good thing. So she's like, she's showing like all kinds of like, just go to the Dollar Tree. You can find some really cool shit to throw at your players. It's like, that's a good idea. This other guy throws in um, different rules that you could add to like kind of spice things up. And there's one that's actually kind of become famous because an actual big 
uh, D&D DM invented called the emphasis rule roll where like um, you swing, you're already going to kill him. But like, why don't you roll again? Let's see how much you murder the hell out of this guy. And then you're really throwing some spice on it. And it's the emphasis like I swing and I'm so pissed off. I go right through the rock he's sitting on and stuff like that. You know, it's like almost nat 20. That's funny. It's just cool. Uh, the last thing I want to make sure to mention, there's a few things over at Gamescom. We have it all on our website, guys. Go check it out, gfpods.com or geekfreakspods.com too. I just paid for that name as well. <laughs> I keep paying for these names. Uh, but the uh, they showed off the actual, it's called PlayStation Portal. It's the portable PlayStation PS5 thing. Yeah, have you seen this yet? No, I haven't. Well, lucky you. I've got the laptop right here. It's there, they're competing with the Steam Deck? Yes. Oh, that looks pretty slick. I'm not going to lie. It actually has the same controls as the actual controller, so that's kind of nice. Guess the price on this thing. Mm, 600 Two bu- 200 bucks. What? $200. Oh, wow. But. That's going to be everywhere. Yeah, well, here's the problem. What's that? It has to connect to your PS5. Oh, that's stupid. Yes. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so it's a screen it's a and screen. a controller. Which, oh. your, which literally your phone can do that. That's why it's 200 bucks. There's yeah. no, nothing in it. That's Okay. That's dumb. <laughs> so unfortunately, yeah, I, I think the I think it's gorgeous. I really like that it's actually the PS5 controllers on the side because it's one of my big things with the Steam if Deck. You have a PS5, right. you have a TV. Why would you want this? I know, and I have a thing you can attach to your controllers, and you just hook your phone up to it for both the Xbox and the PlayStation Five, and you do the exact same thing here, but the controller's in the right spot. Like I could see maybe like young kids that want to go play up in the room when the PlayStation's down in the living room or something like that, but this is like ninety eight percent stupid. Okay, so you're not going to buy it? No, no, no. I, mean, I don't even have a PS5, but still, it's just, I thought it was going to be like a, a, the Steam Deck. Steam Deck is really cool. You know, I thought they're like, oh man, PlayStation's going to compete with them, Sony, you know, that's going to be, that's going to be tough. Because they have the PSP, and I thought the PSP was an awesome system. And matter of fact, it's right now, right behind me. Yeah, it was yeah. successful. You yeah. Know, I, I think a lot of people owned them, and they haven't had anything new in a long time, so let's come out with something hot. But for you young kids don't even know, man, when we went camping... Remember bringing Spider-Man 2 and Napoleon Dynamite on the little <laughs> discs that go into a PSP and you just watch it and you thought like, this is the freaking future. Look how sharp this thing is. And then they had that, remember when the Game Boy Advance had little shows? We yeah. watched uh, Fairly Odd Parents and SpongeBob on those. <laughs> oh my God. I remember thinking like, that's so high tech. Nobody else has cartoons on there. You know, Game Boy. Camping for a week and we watched the three, same three episodes of Fairly Odd Parents over and over again. Oh my God. <laughs> Nowadays, I- your cell phone has... Endless access to the internet. I know. And it's so high depth. Yeah. I saw a really good question po- posed online, John. If all of the Nicktoons were to fight all of the Cartoon Network people, who would win in a fight? Ooh. I like Nicktoons, but Cartoon Network would fight dirty. Yeah. Yeah. They who, would be ruthless. Who would rise to the top of this? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to look up some of the characters. I, so I Dexter, Dexter's got like a crazy amount of tech. Like he's got all kinds of robot suits and he just invents morphing things. So I think he's going to be a very big hitter. You got Adventure Time. Adventure Time is just a straight up fighter. Yeah. Yeah, he would be very, you know, Finn and Jake. Jake's got magic abilities. That'd be cool. But on the other side, in the, the, what really caught my eye on this when they were talking about it on the online, yeah. is they're saying, well, can't Timmy just wish for anything? Oh, yeah, that's right. Wish the war was over. Wish we won the war. Yeah, he just can't wish for death and stuff like that. But he could pretty much just be like, Everybody has, you know, rockets. Yeah. I wish, I wish Nicktoons only made cat videos. Yeah. <laughs> all the characters oh, turned to cat. Oh, God, that's good. Yeah, all, all of Cartoon Network only has cat videos. Oh, yeah. Uh, Nicktoons also has Danny Phantom. Yeah. I, he's pretty awesome. That was, and that's, by the way, I've got a, like a, a remix of the Danny Phantom theme song. It's like one of my favorite songs. It is a good... <laughs> uh, speaking of good songs, Cartoon Network has Samurai Jack. Oh, yeah. Bump, bump, he bump, like, bump. will always win no matter who does it. Matter of fact, the guys who made Samurai Jack made a Star Wars. It was their first attempt at Clone Wars. They made their own Clone Wars. It's like two seasons. And it actually, like the final scenes from that cartoon are actually the first scenes from the movie. Really? It bleeded perfectly. It actually kind of did a better job than Clone Wars in a way. Yeah, it was super cool. Interesting. Yeah, that would be a, that'd be a pretty cool fight though. Let us know online, guys. So Nicktoons versus Cartoon Network, who would win in that fight? I, I keep pulling up people and I'm like, you know, actually this one... You know, the, the thornberries can talk to animals, so maybe you can get an army of animals coming through. And I'll have to do like a whole, like a top five type episode, get everyone together and, and battle them out. Yeah. Like pick your, pick your five that are going to fight to defend your side or whatever, and then we'll, you know, list out their abilities and how they would go. And then we might have to roll some dice for it, really. I know. Really? That's a good <laughs> idea. Oh man, now I'm thinking, how do I put this into D&D? <laughs> Speaking of dice, my wife thought, uh, has asked before again about uh, getting in on D&D someday down the road. Uh, I was at a garage sale and I found some 
pink and purple dice. So I totally had to get him a full dice set. It was pretty dope. So now we'll I, to, and she's got her own So set. once we do this next one, I'm not going to tell you the story of what's going to be happening next, but um, the way the island works that you guys are on, it has certain locations that are best you guys clear before you go to do something big. Video, video game style. Last time you guys went to that ship, that half-sunken ship, and befriended the harpy you were supposed to kill. Oh, yeah. Which, She's going to save us later. <laughs> well, I don't know. The other two, you guys want to kill them. We were literally moving you the next day, and I heard them two whispering like this, and then I go approach them. Hey, what's going on, guys? like, so I think we're going to kill the harpy. Like, why don't you kill her on the damn boat when I could have given you loot? It's okay. I'll defend the harpy and kill the other two. Yeah. Oh, boy. And that can't happen, actually. But, yeah, so... I think after after this one, we're gonna kind of set each of your, each of you guys' characters will be a little bit more established. You're gonna get the dagger. You're gonna have your animal form, which you have to explain to everybody uh, on the day, and stuff like that. So it'll be it'll be pretty neat. Um, I'm excited for it. And then we'll find it. Then then that's probably a good time to start incorporating if we need anybody else to join it. But they have to be here every time though. We can't have somebody missing. Yeah, that's a point. We should uh, should we live stream our episodes once we start getting good at this? Once we start getting good at it, it'll be a while before we're there. <laughs> yeah, I uh, know. Have fun. Last thing before we head over to Challenge Accepted, and then we're going to do our comic books for the week, too. We've been doing that now. Um, our good friend, I want to say that because I've grown up with a guy, Charles Martin name, the voice actor for Mario, for Luigi, for Wario. He's retiring. And what a great career he had. Can you think of the first Mario game that had Mario's voice, Char- Charles Martinet's voice? You and I actually both played it, and probably maybe the only people on this planet that played it. Really? Yep. I don't know. 1994, Mario teaches typing. Really? Yeah. You remember that old game that Grandma Grandpa had? Yeah. <laughs> that was his That's first funny. job. After that was Mario 64. He was the, that was his first mainline Mario game. Yeah. Uh, he's been at it ever since then. And, you know, we were all, of course, a little upset that he wasn't in the movie, but they did a good job with the movie nevertheless. But yeah, he's going to retire. They should have had a little voice cameo of him or something. That would have been nice. Yeah, I think that would have been cool. Yeah. Get him in the payrolls. 50 bucks. Nintendo says they're going to keep him around as an ambassador, a Mario ambassador. So that basically means he's going to be able to go to conventions and hang out and yeah, still kind of represent them. But he's going to not be doing the voice acting anymore. And I think it's good for us just to say thank you for the years. I mean, my God, we've all said your, you said Mario's phrases in your tone of voice for a little over two decades now. That'll be fun, though, to go see him at conventions, if he, especially if he comes local. That'd be awesome. We got uh, the... Uh, in September, we have the SAC anime coming up, which is going to be big. We talked about that. We're going to go and we're going to take some footage with, for TikTok and stuff. And um, yeah, meet the meet the cast and crew from um, God of War. That'll be good. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to go over to Challenge Accepted. We're going to talk about Ahsoka a little bit over there. And then we'll come back for our comic books of the week. Hey, y'all. Welcome to Challenge Accepted. I am Frank and I'm joined by Thomas. What's going on, everybody? Aloha. Aloha. Yes, we are talking Ahsoka episode one and two. They both aired at the same time over on Disney Plus. We've been waiting for this bad boy. Yes, I know. Could you imagine if we only got that part one? And then, I mean, like part two is really the end of that first story anyway. So it makes sense. Yeah, 100 percent. And the thing is, hopefully, I mean, they took a lot of lessons, I think, from this show already. Right. Where we got an earlier release time which was mm-hmm. great we got yes. um a two episode launch which was awesome because some of these shows like you get nothing out of episode one you're like here's what's going on okay over and this one yeah. was like okay here's what's going on now let's give you a little bit more and yeah. and dive into ahsoka more i just think that was so smart i will say my one major complaint for this first two-parter is that it felt a little slow and i think a lot of it could have been a condensed into one really uh, I- Yes, and I think I, that's because they were trying to make sure to explain all of Rebels, kind of, to a new, you know, audience. Man, I didn't feel like it was slow at all. Like, really? compared, okay. like, I can understand people saying that about Andor, but this, like, right. I felt like every scene had something in it that was interesting, or they would throw in, like, a little bit of action. So I, I, yeah. I felt like, yeah, it was so good. And the character relationships were so good. Like, Same. seeing an updated relationship between ahsoka and uh hera or seeing what's been going on with ahsoka and sabine like wait what sabine was a padawan does that mean she has the force wait how does she feel about ezra still being gone what has happened in this world since we saw them in rebels man i thought that was so good and then my wife who knows nothing won't watch clone wars with me won't watch rebels uh barely watches star wars she was like hooked 
and she's not hooked on anything. So I, I don't know. I, I felt like, man, they were, they were giving us so much meat in every scene. It just got, it hooked me. Yeah. Yeah. I would say, I mean, it's not that I didn't enjoy it, but I just felt like it was a little bit um, slower paced than maybe something like a first episode of the Mandalorian or something like that in comparison. I got but, you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it was definitely still good. And it added a ton of content over the last, what I think was seven years since Rebels. Or since, uh, yeah, since Ezra, uh, yeah, since the fight on that uh, planet. So there it is. Um, right. Spoiler alert for seven years. Rebels, but like Ezra gets taken away, right? At the end of Rebels on a Purgle and epic. Thrawn goes, which is epic, is yes. one of the coolest episodes. Uh, and then this feels like a natural continuation to that. And, yeah. we, and even from the little details they added in where Ezra is getting that statue awarded to him. And then to yes. be supposed to be there, she's not there, but her painting is in the background from right. Rebels, the show. I mean, what an cool. awesome detail. Yeah, it's yes. just like, oh, you can tell this is a Filoni baby because he's adding yeah. all the little things that we would appreciate from Rebels now in Ahsoka. Both are written by him. The first episode is directed by him. And it, I, I will say, as soon as we're on Loroth, I think, or Loroth, or I can't remember the name um, of the planet, Lothal, there it is. And you see like even the freeway that they have there. It's like, I've seen so many fights on that freeway. I've seen <laughs> yeah. these cats everywhere. I, it, it felt purely, even the shots of the city were like, oh yeah, that's the end of Rebels when we see that city's thriving now. Matter of fact, I want to give a shout out to Governor Ryder Azadi who was added to this. And I didn't know he was going to be added in Ahsoka. But then when you see him, you're like, that's, he was so cool in Rebels. That's right. So he's part of the Rebel Force. Um, yeah, yeah. It was it was a true love letter to both Dave Filoni fans and Rebels fans. And but but adding, like I said, a ton of things with like the last seven years, you know, we see that there's a, there's a more there's a bigger relationship between Ahsoka and Sabine, which I didn't think there was much of one in Rebels. Such a good point. Yeah. Which that's why it's a surprise when you're like, wait, Ahsoka was training Sabine. That's really interesting. Yeah. It They had interactions in rebels right but it's not like they had this deep relationship um even the same thing with ezra and sabine but just we'll go back so with sabine and ahsoka i'm still confused like does sabine have the force like we know she trained with lightsabers when it came to kanan and yeah. and uh and uh what's his name ezra bridger Bridger. Uh, yeah. If you guys follow know, our TikTok, if you follow yes, our TikTok, Bridger, not Miller. He knows, he knows everybody. All right. Yes. Uh, but it, it was funny because uh, you, you didn't know all of their relationships. It, it kind of leaves it a little open-ended in Rebels. And just the fact that Sabine has this closer relationship to Ahsoka makes it really interesting because there's this whole yes. idea of, which, which is, I think, the episode name, the Master and Apprentice. We get Ahsoka and Sabine, and then we also get Ahsoka and Anakin. But then the new enemies, which we don't know if they're Sith, we don't. We know that they may have been Jedi, but probably are not Jedi. We got Balin one is Skull. definitely Jedi. Yeah, yeah and Ray, Shin Ray's character, he says that he was. They were Jedi trained, and then yeah, he, but they were. That's my point. It's like, what are they now? That's oh, what I see I'm what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think he trained her, but then we also have the Inquisitor, which is completely masked and. What are your early thoughts on who this Inquisitor is? That's just a slice of challenge accepted. Please head over there now. You can listen to that entire review right now. We review Ahsoka every single week. We also challenge each other to other movies and TV shows. We're currently doing a canned food drive. More listens, the more food we donate to our local food banks. Uh, that challenge is going to be going out through the end of the year. And right now we've already donated 220 cans to our local food bank. So the more the listens, the better. All right, now we're going to move on to our comic book recommendations for the week. All right, gentlemen, here are the four comic books I'm suggesting to everybody. Again, we're going to start doing this at the end of every episode so that you guys can head out to your local comic shop and know what you're talking about. First off, we have Superboy, The Man of Tomorrow. Uh, this one is number five. It's still pretty early on. Why I'm suggesting this is if you're a 90s kid and you're like, man, I like what Superboy was wearing his leather jacket. He was dope. They made him do that again. So it's number five, the relaunch of Superboy. He is 90s Superboy again, very much so. This one I think you're going to like, John, okay? Uh-huh. This is the Riddler year one. Mm, I like the Riddler. Number six. Uh-huh. Now, can you think of who would be the coolest writer for a new Riddler comic book? By the way, it's in the Riddler's point of view. Cool writer for the new Riddler. 
I don't know. I can't think of Paul one. Paul Dano, the guy who plays Riddler in The Batman. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, it's, it's funny. When you say him, I, vis- I visualize Jim Carrey, obviously, and that guy, Paul Dano. I, I just, those two first both came to mind. Uh, but yeah, that's that's pretty cool. That that's cool, eh? So this is an entire thing is a prequel to the Batman series from the Riddler's point of view. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just so cool. It's got actually like, it's the same artwork that, you know, same Riddler from that artwork and stuff like that. And we're going to see him uh, finally take out that guy in the beginning of the Batman movie. So that'd be really cool. See, I, and not to change topics away from comics, but going back to DC movies, I think DC touched on it and they're changing, they keep changing directions away from it. Focus, make movies on the villains of DC. It works so well. They have such good villains. I mean, Marvel has some cool ones too, but I think DC really nails it with better villains. And to do that deep, dark, psychological thriller on on the DC villains would just, um, they could do one after the other. Just don't even, you don't even have to connect them. I mean, if you want to down the road, you can connect them and they work together, but you don't even have to do that. The Joker movie was a We just covered dunk. that on Challenge Accepted was the Joker oh, movie. Such a yeah. good movie. I love it. I'm worried about the sequel being a, a song in what do you call that? A musical, yeah. But, you know, it's from the mind of the Joker, so it may easily become a musical when he falls in love and all that stuff. That's great. Uh, but yeah, if they could do psychological thriller on each character, the Riddler would be one of the best for sure. I mean, imagine Two-Face. I mean, Mr. Freeze is yeah. the slam dunk. Oh, yeah, yeah. That would be so good. I mean, all of them, that'd be amazing. I just, I hope at some point they catch on and can start doing that. I know right now, obviously, they're doing, they're doing a whole reboot kind of thing, but... Yeah. Well, they're still going to have these as, as Elseworld stories. So are, they gonna, are they making more villain? We're going to have more of the Batmans as well. But are they making more villain movies right now? We don't now? know about that, but if they do, it'll be Elseworld stories. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, so they're still yeah. leaving that door open for that. Yeah. Exciting. Blade number two, guys. That's right. Blade is back. Blade's greatest hope rests with his, the last person he wants to ask, a hostile ex. Blade travels to Japan to meet with a high-end supernatural arms dealer who may be the key to defeating the Adana, the deadly threat to Blade, has in, inadvertently unleashed upon the world. So yeah, guys, the art on this story in this new comic book is so freaking dope. And, you know, we're waiting for that Blade movie, but it's taking forever. And so this is your shot. Especially it's only issue two, so you could pick up one exactly. and two. Exactly. You know, it's hard once you get to four, five, six. You might not be able to get the first couple, but... When I'm suggesting comic books nowadays, that's what I'm trying to do is try to find comic books that are easy to jump in on. There's one shop I go to. I love how they they, they don't... Not with every series, but with some someone they can find them, they'll bundle them and they sell it. You know, it's like 18 bucks for a bundle and it'll be the 16 issues of some, you know, Batman series from last year or whatever. And it's like, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, because I hate to have and I'm almost everything I have is, is mix match, but I'll have like three of the six or 12 of the 16. And it's like, uh, you don't even, I don't even want to start reading them until I get the complete right. set because I know I'm going to get stuck and have to stop mid story. So. It's cool to find them bundled like that for sure. Is that Launchpad that's doing that? No, it's the other one, uh, the Grapevine uh, Grapevine I've Comics. I've never been there. Oh, really? It's off yeah. of Cherokee, yeah. Off to check it out. Yeah, on the east side of Lodi. All right, my last one for you guys. I'm not going to read the whole thing for this, but I will say, if you're like me, you're enjoying the fact that Darkwing Duck, Gargoyles, all these 90s cartoons are getting their series where they continue the story. So is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So they have Saturday Morning Adventures, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It's literally the exact same art and everything like that from the old Saturday Morning cartoons. Continuing the story, this one, they're fighting Shredder. And uh, it's only issue four, so you guys can jump. And it's done by IDW, who's been doing really good. IDW, Boom Studios, both of them kicking butt lately. Yeah. Yeah. I got to wait till the Ninja Turtles come out in like a, what do you call it, the book version? Yeah, the trades. Uh, for one of my brother-in-laws is a huge Ninja Turtles geek. And so, for I know every year for his birthday, we end up getting like Ninja Turtles slippers or shirts or whatever. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm going to get him the comics. This is a good idea. Year. Yeah. Has he read The Last Ronin? I don't think so. Okay, so you need to read The Last Ronin first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll buy it for him and read it first. <laughs> uh, all right, John, let's end off with the recommendation for the week. What do you got for the week? Oh, man. Um, good question. I would say Saga, I just got, I mean, that's the only comic I've really been actively reading. That but they Gar- started a new arc recently. Gargoyles, yeah. They kind of got back on, yeah. So the next issue, I thought it was going to be out when I got back from vacation. Uh, it doesn't come out till September 20th. So okay. the last one was like July... I don't know, 18th or something like that. So, um, yeah, it's issue 65, I think, is out already. I got to so catch up on if those. If you guys haven't, oh, the story is just so good. It's so good, it's just frustrating that I read it so fast, and then I just have to wait like a month or more for the next issue to come out. Uh, but yeah, such a good story. So if you guys aren't up to date with Saga, that's definitely, that's always going to be my recommendation. The trades are great, but I mean, grab that first trade. That'll hook you into the entire universe. So I think it ends with the part where the dad's like holding together the ship. 
I think which so. Which is one of my favorite the, moments. The grandpa, yeah, the grandpa, dad, yeah. yeah. Because, anyways, I won't go into it, but that's one of my favorite moments <laughs> of the entire stories. I just, it's such a, there's some weird oh, kind of extreme you know, stuff. No, I'm sorry. It ends with the lighthouse. Is that right? I think it ends, the first trade, I think, ends at the lighthouse. I don't know. Where they, where that one guy, yeah. Yeah, the Cyclops. Yeah. Is there, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, oh and they have so a visitor. Good. Yeah, they have a visitor. Oh. Such a good visitor. <laughs> His character changes so much. So many of the characters. It's a very good character development story for sure. Um, all right, my recommendation for you guys is what we do in the shadows is nearing the end of its oof, what fifth season. It's so freaking crazy good. Uh, they they have some crazy character development. Actually, speaking of character development, um, Guillermo got bit by a vampire. Um, so the whole thing is like he's for some reason. I think it's because he's got the Van Helsing blood. Um, not transitioning into a vampire quickly, but he has like some of the abilities, and so, and uh, they've been hiding it from Nandor this whole time. And well, the, this last episode really tied up some old stories of like how he almost accidentally killed the Baron, yada yada yada, and they kind of addressed all those and kind of it all flushed out. So this is a good time to start watching those because you only have like two more episodes, and then it's gonna be done. So what we do in the shadows, done by T Taika Waititi, he's hilarious. I love everything he does, even the Thors, and. By the way, if you guys are like, oh, they didn't talk about the Thor thing, the Thor rumor, because there's a rumor that's not substantiated. We'll talk about it later on. But yeah, so check that out, guys. What we do in the shadows. It's worth the watch. Nice. All right, guys, that's it for us. Check us out next week. We'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Bye.